welcome to What in the World Language Podcast. Francoise has been an educator for almost 20 years. She is an ESL teacher and worked as such for two years. Her job was not only providing the students with the necessary literacy skills to navigate the waters of elementary schools in the U.S., but also helping Latinx families understand the benefits of bilingualism. She has been teaching Espanol at elementary level for 11 years and has an MED in early childhood and elementary education. She is also a passionate advocate for equitable, inclusive, social justice-oriented world language curricula. She believes that world language classrooms are uniquely suited to challenge and disrupt misconceptions and stereotypes that lead to inequity and discrimination nowadays. Welcome to the show, Francois. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. you. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. So you know it is Black History Month. It is. And a lot of people are mm-hmm. selling a lot of resources now. Oh, yeah. TP- TPT is flooded. Facebook yes. and Twitter is flooded it with is. blog posts and resources and things mm-hmm. for sale. Some of them good. Some of them not so good. That's true. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Perfect. And so Perfect. we'll jump right into it here. So many people seem to want to only teach this topic uh, during this month of the year, one mm-hmm. month of the year um, during Black History Month. So why is it important to celebrate Black history and Afro-Latinx history all year in our curriculum and classrooms instead of just this month? Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to speak from a privileged point of view because I work at a very liberal school that let, lets me um, do whatever I need to do with my curriculum. So uh, I understand that for some teachers it's very hard uh, to have a flexibility and to change things around because uh, they need to follow certain program, they have a textbook, and it's not their choice to to do this for a month. And uh, the reason why I don't like to do it, and I say again, I, I'm a privileged person in, in, in that sense because I have the liberty to change things around. So why I think it's important to teach here all year round, it's because, look, uh, all these uh, diversity equity work starts with yourself and unpa- mm. unpacking your own privilege. And uh, even though I belong to a group that's been racialized and it's been minoritized, I am a light-skinned Latina. So uh, I was questioning myself uh, in all this unpacking and unlearning that I had to do because it's, it doesn't happen over a day, over a year. It happens over 10 years. I've been 10 years working my curriculum. I asked myself, who do my students see in my classes and who is missing? So I think last year when... Uh, Uh, I got a wonderful equity director and I talked to her and she gave me like the green light that if if ever a parent complains, you know, she'll have my back to change my curriculum. It's when I, yeah, it's when I decided to make it all about uh, Afro-Latinx and and, uh, indigenous people and uh, LGBTQ because it's what my students don't see uh, out there in the 
everywhere in all their classes. They are rarely CDs. So my goal was like to show them and present them what they don't usually see out there. So my this is my my thing about having a month. It makes it look very makes it sound very tokenized. And I always wonder what can you do in a month that can be uh, deep enough for the students to understand beyond like uh, facts that they can uh, just repeat. You know, this person did this on on, on this date. But, but what do you know? What do you know about biases? What do you know about privilege? And what, why? Why was that person forced to be an activist? So there is a lot of history behind all conflicts. And I don't think you can cover all that in a month. It, it <laughs> is a lot. So you said yeah. something interesting. Um, you have a, you have a uh, person there what, that has your back. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, if parents raise any concerns, mm-hmm. what what demographic uh, population of students do you have? Like, what is the makeup of your school? Okay, so my school it's a Quaker private school in in the city of Philadelphia. It's a it's a Quaker school. It's a Quaker school. So okay. we okay. we that's love, history right there, right? Yes, it's, it is history. We no. love we we love. Um, like we are, uh, we're striving to have a diverse population, but unfortunately, the people who can pay the tuition, uh, even though there are scholarships and all that, it's usually uh, uh, like white middle class or like mm-hmm. very a little wealthy parents, hard workers, mm-hmm. but upper middle still, class. yeah, upper middle yeah. class, I would say. But nowadays, and because of our new equity director that has been in our school. This is her second year. We have, like, I think she has done a great job with admissions and trying to diversify our, our school population. And when it comes to teachers, when it comes to students, we are not there yet, but mm-hmm. we are trying. And I think it's a lot of work that is being done that I highly appreciate, you know. Well, it, you got to start there, right? I mean, yeah. you have an equity director and she has your back and she yeah. believes in the work you're doing. So Yeah, and she's amazing and she pays for all these uh, professional development for us. She's oh, one, lucky yeah. you. <laughs> she's one of the people that actually leads the race institutes. So, mm-hmm. and, and for that reason, because I have that population, because I have those kids that are rarely out of their little bubble of privilege. Mm. They are amazing, but they are in the little bubble of privilege that I like to present them with these uh, things that are going to make them think, that are going to make them, make them, you know, uh, go beyond what they are right. experiencing, yeah. you know. Es super importante. Muy Para importante. Ellos, ¿no? Sí. Sí. sí, y son no. muy receptivos porque no. most of the parents are liberal, you know, so it's there, it's right there. It's a little seed oh, that we're planting. Yeah. I think it's more important, uh, you know, in those instances when we teach majority white students, yeah, um, to do this work, right? Maybe I, perhaps a little bit, a little bit more challenging, but um, needed, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Like I was feeling guilty because um, I became really attached to my ESL students, and when I was mm. living in Georgia, I, I it was I, it was part of a program, so I had to leave. 
because my visa, I need a sponsor. I'm an immigrant, so mm, I need to go where okay. I can get my my paperwork done, you know. And the okay. public schools couldn't hire me. So, Qué but I was interesante. I was feeling really guilty about not being with my um, my students that were uh, vulnerable. That I was doing like a like way more than a teacher does because I was uh, working with the families and translating. But then when I came to my school, I remember having a conversation with a wonderful. I have wonderful colleagues too, and she's like, "Yeah, you are where you need to be, you know." And and these children need to hear all those things too they need to hear the most because of their privilege. They are going to be in um, positions of power in the future. Mm-hmm. And when you start these in early childhood, it, there are more chances that they are going to have a more open mind and maybe mm-hmm. a bigger heart. <laughs> Hopefully. Right. Hopefully. I'm like, Ojalá. Yeah. Sí. So... Estoy aquí cruzando los dedos. Oy, por mm-hmm. favor. <laughs> 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 Bueno, pues la próxima pregunta es, es similar. Like, mm-hmm. so we can do this all year, right? And you yeah, just right. outlined why do you yeah. think it you think it's important all year because it's so much yeah. information that it's impossible yeah. to to do in a short month. In a short February, month, right? Yeah. Um, so what what sort of things since this is uh, a podcast for teachers and specifically language teachers, and not necessarily language teachers though. Um, what what kind of what aspects what materials um, of teaching Afro Latinx history Black history do you do you use What are the resources that you use Because I preface the mm-hmm. our conversation by saying that now we see during this time of year yeah. a lot of things being sold online yeah. um, uh, geared toward Afro Latinx history yeah. right um, And like I said, some of them are good and some of them are not yeah, so I'm good, good based yeah. on based on the lens that they're they're written through, right? Yeah. Um, so what are some of the, what can you tell teachers? Like, give us an idea of what you use in your classroom. So, and what do you think yeah. teachers should begin to use? So I'm an elementary teacher. So my approach is very different to what a high school teacher would be doing. Right. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk from my experience. Um, just, I'm going to make a little comment. Like there was a teacher, high school teacher that asked me if I can review a project that she was working on for um, like history months in her Spanish class. And she sent me a list of names uh, that were important for Afro Latinx uh, community. And I answered back and I said, is that it? That way you're sending me? So your students are doing a research I'm going to ask you a few questions from a place of non-judgment because I've been there before, you know. Uh, And I said, what are you doing with your students before and after these projects, these research projects? Are you talking about biases? Are you discussing privilege? Are you talking about racism and colorism in the Latinx community? Are you you discussing other things? things other than slavery, you know, and and uh, the Atlantic slave trade. And that person never got back to me, which I think I made her feel uncomfortable. But in my classroom, we have those dis- discussions all the time, which I think prepares the field for whatever I'm going to do. What I do with like little ones, kindergarten, it's I do a unit on on 
Celia Cruz, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, I use picture books. And uh, yeah, we discuss like delicate topics too. And and but it's also all about her brilliance, you know, because I don't like to. I don't like the approach that some educators have on uh, like exacerbating the struggle, but uh, failing to discuss the brilliance of of a community or a person. So you're uh, talking about looking at it through just a deficit lens. Yes. Somewhat, right. Not exactly. the positive aspects. A lot of times uh, teachers only race only comes up in their mm-hmm. curriculum or in their classroom when it is about um, civil rights. Or the totally, training. totally, um, and and those are the only times they touch on these topics. Um, yeah. So continue with that thought. That's I feel yeah, to- to- totally, and that that's what I I don't think it's being done right. And and when you're gonna do something uh, with a related to a population that doesn't pertain to you, but you, I think you as a teacher owe it to the people to humanize them and also do a lot of previous research and historical that you might not necessarily share with your students, but it's, it, it helps you open your lens. Also, what I do in my classes is like I zoom in. I don't teach Afro-Latinx as a group, as I don't teach Latinx as a group either, because I hate for my students to get the idea of a monolith of a population with so much diversity over there. And I think that's a damage. It's like how Chimanda say it, like the danger of a single story is that you don't get to see the depth and, and the rest. So I zoom in on things. I zoom in on Celia Cruz. In second grade, I do a unit on um, Yemanja, which is one of the Orishas from the Yoruba religion, because one mm. of my things is also decentralizing Christianism in my class. Mm. And I for the kids at a Quaker school at, at that, a Quaker so. school, but a Quaker school it's no, it's yeah, it's if you know the history of the Quakers, right? Yeah, it's it's tolerant, it's open minded. Like I told you, most of my students are Jewish, mm-hmm. so it's for my students to see uh, that other people, other other cultures have different ways of uh, getting in touch with divinity, and that they are all valid, and that they are all. Respectable, and they mm. they are called spiritualities and not religions. I don't use mm. the word religion in my class. I use the mm. word spirituality because it's how you connect with the divine, and I like to put them all in the same place mm. with no hierarchy. You know, so I do Yemanja, and I do in third grade because they dance flamenco for my Spanish assembly. I do a unit on Concha Buica. And Concha Buica, uh, uh, mm. her parents were from Guinea Equatorial, which is something yeah. that people don't know that is a country in Africa that speaks Spanish. They they don't. And then you yeah. know, just beyond that, I have a I have La Bandera de Guinea Equatorial in, ah, in my class. I have that flag awesome. hanging up. So awesome. uh, and and it's a conversation, right? You say, yeah. oh, it's it's the only country in Africa that speaks Spanish. Why? You know yeah. what I mean? So you can you can dive deep into that. Yeah, That's colonization, and because I start my year with colonization, all the kids start, are very with elementary aware. kids. You, yes, you talk, so yes. I, I want to. I want our listeners to remember yes. this. Is, she's elementary. So what? What do you up through fifth grade, right? Uh, from pre-K to uh, fourth grade, but in pre-K, it's um, mostly like an overview of uh, right. basics. So I don't take. I don't go too deep with them. With That's my kindergarten, yeah, it's pre-K. With my kindergartners, I start with Celia Cruz and stuff like that. 
And in so first that's important grade, for our listeners to know that yeah. you can have these, you can condense these conversations oh, down yeah. into simplified language. Oh, yeah. And I think, and, and we all know that kids are like sponges. So it's these topics are not taboo. So if you're an elementary school teacher listening, um, the last lady that I interviewed uh, for this this episode mm-hmm. um, uh, was also an elementary school teacher. Oh, that's so cool. Of, a lot of picture books. And you I use, I use that too. So yeah. You can have these conversations, teachers. With Listen little up. ones. Yeah, everything. Continue. So uh, with my first graders, there is a book that I use about Celia Cruz. And I said uh, that Celia Cruz is going with Nenita to the singing contest. But there are some singing contests that don't let her in. And I stopped there and I, and I asked the kids, why do you sing? And let me tell you that the kids know pretty well. They know it is about racism. They know it is about skin color. I don't even have to bring the topic up. It's in their minds. So um, then we start a conversation of what it's uh, fair and not fair, because this is how the kids perceive inequity, you know? And um, when it comes to Concha Wica, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a lot of things that blow their minds because what do you see there? A lot of people dancing flamenco that are not, or singing flamenco that are not black. So uh, Concha Wica, growing up in España, in the gypsy community, that, that it's like a lot of, um, it's breaking the, implicit biases that could be over there, you know, and it generates like very good conversations too. Yeah. There's a movement in Spain to uncover the, the African contributions to, oh, yeah. to the music. Of um, flamenco. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, uh, Gurumbe is a film that, um, that is, I've been like meaning to watch that film. It's Afro, Afro Andalusian mm-hmm. memories, something, but something to that. I need to watch it. It's really good. It's hard to find. I think I think my wife bought it for um, her university students to watch. So I think I would buy it. Like yeah, well, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's worth the investment. And and you and I shared a document, uh, a link. Uh, you may have shared it on Twitter. Yeah, las llaves, las llaves de, de la memoria. De la memoria, eso. And yeah, eso es super interesante. Muy, it's it's wa- about the Arabes, right? And yes. the words, and, and, yes. and I think about. You think about the word flamenco and macub. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. But I know, I know. Those are resources uh, that you can use in yes. high school class, and yes. I use them. Uh, I showed Gurumbe last year, um, and my high school students absolutely love love that. So, um, so do you have any more resources that you'd like to share I mean, with teachers? And thinking about, you know, as we wrap up here, and thinking about how we can move past, not only incorporating these these stories. Mm-hmm all year round, but moving past like that surface level, level culture, right? To those deeper aspects of culture. Instead of just saying, Oh, these are the clothes that they wear. Yeah. And and done. these and these this are the, the food groups. they eat. Yeah. Done. These are the groups. Done. Right. So what's your what's your, I got, what's your I final think, say I on think, that? I think my approach with little ones at least is zooming in on someone or something that will help me humanize what I'm teaching. Uh, with Jim and Jai, was my kids, let me tell you, they, my second graders were like obsessed, like drawing her everywhere. It was, and one of my, one of my little girls said, this is the first time I see a mermaid that looks like me. <laughs> this, is, 
yeah, this is how important it is to see yourself out there in a mirror. And uh, this little girl's parents are from um, from Africa, actually, from a country in mm-hmm. Africa. I think it's Ghana. So to have that moment in my classroom and, and for kids to embrace a different spirituality with open arms, without judgment, that was very important for me. And like, that's it. I think it's humanizing. I mean, the more information you want to pack, what I've seen in a lot of materials that we, that, it, that doesn't make me happy, they don't make me happy, is that they think oversimplify. There is a list of people that you research or there is, these are the Afro-Latinx people and they do this and they do that. I'm like, what? There are so many countries that have Afro-Latinx people and there are people that are Afro-Latinx that grew up in the United States. How can you not see the difference? How can you help your students see a difference? And I think it's zooming in. You cannot expect to reach everything out. That will take, will take your students to memorize stuff, know mm-hmm. it by heart, but not actually get into the deep with the things, mm-hmm. with the questions that you should be asking. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to end it. Zoom in. Yeah, zoom in. Zoom in in the zoom historical in. time or the person that you want to use for your unit. You heard it here. <laughs> zoom in. Zoom in. <laughs> Thank you, Francois. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. And and I just want to add that it, this doesn't come from a place of judgment, that we are all in this journey. And some Absolutely. of us started a long time ago. And uh, I wouldn't like people to feel attacked. I would mm-hmm. like people to say, wow, that's a different perspective. I'm going to think mm-hmm. about it. And I, maybe I should be rethinking the way I teach things. You know, it's not an attack, it's accountability, you know, Mm. and humanizing, I think. It's the key is to humanizing what you're teaching. Buenas palabras. Mm -hmm. Gracias por todo. Oh, no problem. Nos vemos. Nos vemos. And you're listening to What in the World Language Podcast.